When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> I was saying how uh, Nova, our uh, dog, our mascot, followed me into the men's room right before recording, and I think he saw my penis, Ugh. which means since I've seen his penis and he's seen my penis, we're wolf bros. Wolf bros. Wolf bros Ow! for life. <laughs> That's definitely how that works. It is. Mm-hmm. That's how you know you're part of the pack. <clears throat> I'd like to see you go to Alaska and try that. <laughs> That's how I tame all the wolves I meet. There's that Liam Neeson movie where yeah. he had to like make a fist of broken glass. Yeah, they cut that scene out where he showed him. I just show the wolves my penis, and then they go, wolf bro, and then I'm part of the pack. My penis is named Mowgli. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we speak so seriously in a comedic way about Bigfoot, yep. UFOs, ghosts i fucked that up because i was still thinking about wolf dongs um i was gonna say the most serious comedy podcast about those things i'm your host michael mcmillan with me always is your other host bryce johnson and usually with us is our super producer riley bray but filling in today is super producer grace mitchell booyah yo grace what's up uh, chilling, chilling hard. Okay, great. She's <laughs> focusing on sound. Hey, uh, we're going to jump into tonight's episode. We have this week for you two amazing returning guests back together again for the first time. Yeah. Uh, one is an actress from Children's Hospital, The Dangerous Book for Boys, and the upcoming Bill and Ted sequel. What? And another show that I forgot about that I know, uh, do you just want to say it right yeah, now? Yeah, it's called Medical Police. That's it's right, a Children's that's Hospital right. spinoff on I'm, Netflix. Uh, yes, I meant to ask you about yeah. that, and I forgot to. Dude. Uh, the other is a writer, author of The Cryptid Catcher and its new sequel, The Cryptid Keep. So excited. Uh, Boys and girls, please give a warm Club Scout welcome to Aaron Hayes and Leah Fisher. Aaron, Aaron, say hi. Hi. And now Leah, say hi. Hi, everyone. And now we know who's We did it. Nice job. Uh, Well done. I feel like I've already disappointed Leah by talking about wolf penises too much. (laughs) No, I love it. I'm a little upset. (laughs) I apologize. It takes a little more than that to disappoint Leah. (laughs) I was going to say, (laughs) this is the arsonist uh, extraordinaire. Have you set any fires lately? I have not set any fires. I have had more ghost experiences, but I have not been saved by any ghosts lately. Okay, we need to talk about that. Uh, Should we kick it off with... uh, Bryce, you brought in some stuff today. Let's do that first. Great. Everybody, we have some... 
BCC News. What? what? I was going to do it with you, but... Well, you dropped the hammer. No, you like... I was going... For oh. the music cue. Let's try it again. Okay. Riley, you got this. We have some... BCC News. All right, that was better, I guess. <laughs> okay. Just been um, doing nothing but alienating two women... <laughs> Possibly three <laughs> well, in this studio. Leah, you'll like this. And Aaron, too. Bigfoot is back in the news media lately what? like a storm. Is that just because you have a new show? Well, out? yeah. Besides my new show, <laughs> Bigfoot has hit some headlines in, in two things that caught my attention. Uh, one was reported by Vice. And uh, as the article reads, viral video captures the screams of a mystery creature. Have you heard about this? No. no. So as reported by MJ Banyas... <laughs> A family from Ontario, Canada, was out hunting when they heard an eerie howling scream in the distance. Smartphone in hand, they recorded the sounds, and a corner of the internet is convinced the now viral video is evidence of Bigfoot. Gino Mikas, an experienced hunter and resident of northwestern Ontario near Sioux Lookout, was with his wife and grandson hunting grouse on October 3rd, about 50 kilometers outside the town, when they hear an odd howl. He says, we walk down a trail to see if we can find a bird, and on our way back to the vehicle, it started, Mika said in an interview. Said in an interview. When it let out the first scream, I thought Bryce, it was a moose. Are you off the wagon? Oh, God, I wish. Don't get me started. But my mind changed when it screamed again and again. Mikas and his wife paused for a brief moment to record the sound. His young grandson, who can be seen in the video, began to howl back at the sound. Mikas explained that his family retreated to their vehicle shortly after that as the cadence of the howling increased and they felt in danger. Uh, I have some you of the video. better have some of the oh, sound, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like... I have so many questions so about it's, this. It's two minutes. Maybe we'll edit this down, but let me... <laughs> I, I should have, like, queued it up to the spot, That would right? have been a fine idea. All right. Would well, you have it... Do you have it in yourself? Yeah, I can send it to, to you. No, no, no. I mean oh. to go toward a howling noise oh, when you're like howling i gotta go to that thing. i would definitely howl back would you, you really? would For i'd probably sure. just pee my pants right. i would howl oh there's the grandson oh. can you hear the howl yeah and he said it just kept Ooh. happening again and again now this guy was been hunting bryce stop talking oh. There's the grandson calling back. Did you hear that mom was like, shut, yeah. shut up. Don't shut bring it over here. Colby. Don't bring it over here. Michael, your face oh. right now is great. It's a creepy howl. Now, this guy's been hunting ever since he was a kid. He said he's heard the, the guy, the yeah. dad, Genomikas, the dad, the, yeah, I guess the grandfather. And he said he's heard every sound come out of those woods, uh, and he said it's, it wasn't a wolf. It, I mean, it was so. It was so bowing. Sounds this sad. This is the typical type of sound. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's sad. I mean, it sounds like a very angry man taking the biggest shit of his life in uh, the woods. What? Do, would you be sad about that? Dude, that is oh. a big thing oh. right there. But that's just a real growler. Described by. Can we hear it one more time without us talking sure, over it? Sure. We'll put the link in our show notes. Oh, boy. 
Yeah. Like emotional pain. I'm still talking over it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's performing Maybe Antigone. Maybe he like lost his Bigfoot wife or something. He's or doing Greek tragedy. He's doing Antigone. Yeah. Isn't that sure. crazy though? It's that's absolutely crazy. terrifying. I mean, that is, that's that's wild, right? Does it get louder and closer? You start to get nervous. No, I mean, louder and closer. I mean, just turn the volume up on your speakers, bruh. Uh, so that's no. A, so they didn't necessarily no, go towards they got, it. They, 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 they got felt like it was about fifty kilometers away, which just which just tells you how loud this thing was. I mean, how can it, you tell that's fifty kilometers? Well, away? Well, maybe I just made that up. I, maybe it was in the article. Anyway. I'm nothing if not a sound distance expert, <laughs> yeah. and um, I'd say like thirty five max. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> 20 American miles. (laughs) You know, I always stop halfway through the article. But anyway, it was a long, it was a far way away. It was a far way away. It was a good distance. A good distance. Yeah. That is a creepy sound. How creepy is that? It does sound more human than animal. Leah, you're a cryptid expert. What do you think? Uh, I mean, it definitely doesn't. I live in Colorado and I go camping quite a bit. So I know what the nature sounds, yeah. regular nature sounds are. And that's like nothing I've ever heard. And I would never go camping again if I heard that. Yeah, that is a powerful, powerful bellowing howl. And that's what they describe, like a whoop howl or a whistle or a I call. mean, you think maybe he's I, Bigfoot occasionally has to pass a kidney stone. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure. I mean, something's happening. Yeah, but- sure. I have I go to a much darker place. Than go like, go go there. I was like, this is like a deep loss. Yeah, like this is yeah. like somebody in emotional. Pa- this is like some creature in emotional pain. Yeah, like it lost a loved <laughs> like one or so, something. Yeah, maybe. like some just like like not because it's so rhythmic. Yeah, that it's not just like oh shit, oh yeah. my knee, right? Oh god, yeah. my knee. It's like oh the love yeah. of my life. Right, totally. <laughs> it really is the most mournful <laughs> sound I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. What if he's just caught in a bear trap out in the woods and no one's helping him? Here's the thing: I'm never going to go. Trap, yeah, dude. right. Bigfoot, Bigfoot could rip that shit right open. Oh man! Yeah, well, dude. I'll be thinking about that Sasquatch's pain. Yeah. For the well, rest you guys want to go camping tonight? <laughs> hey, let's do it. And listen, that wasn't the only Bigfoot thing to make headlines. There was also something that came out of uh, the news just about four days ago. It says school children capture close-up video of a Bigfoot running at them. Have you guys heard about this? What? No. Yes. So. Mysterious Universe reports. No, thank you. Uh, school children capture a close-up video of a Bigfoot running at them, and I've seen the video. It, it happens really fast, but it's certainly well terrifying. Show us the video. Uh, two school children were, were who were walking after dark came across a very terrifying and mysterious creature running directly towards them, and they caught it on video. The video begins with the children shining a light on the ground, which showed a bunch of debris and leaves. After hearing a strange noise, the kids looked around, wondering what made the sound. While they were looking around the area, trying to find the source of the noise, they heard leaves behind being moved around and rustling sounds as if something was getting closer to them. The kids then witnessed what appeared to be a large creature running straight at them. They were both legitimately freaked out as they screamed before running away. Now, if you're wondering why two kids were walking by themselves in the dark at night, it was because they had witnessed a strange creature roaming around near their school earlier that day, and they wanted to get it on camera, so they went out in an attempt to get proof. What they caught on video was frightening and confusing at the same time. Those two together are 
like salt and pepper. Thousands of people have already viewed the footage, and many different theories have emerged as to what the children have witnessed. Some even say dog man, Michael. Uh, I'll show you the video. How long is the video? Here, I got it right here. It's perfect for a podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah, but we'll that's put the fine. show note. We'll put the link in the we show notes. We can maybe trim this part down if we yeah. need to. But what it reminded right. to me little... was classic guerrilla behavior, which is like a bluff charge. You ever heard of a bluff charge? No, what's Michael? a bluff charge? It's so like gorilla, you're bluffing. Yeah, a gorilla. The ladies are watching. We're watching it. I'm seeing debris. Okay. <laughs> Leaves. Good, just as stated. Isn't that crazy? Just, but, well, it's, it, it's so fast, right? I didn't see anything. I, I oh, <laughs> I, I, pa- I paused each frame to see it. And what you can see is like something big. Here, let me get it for you, yeah. Grace. Well, Leah, it was very hard look. to see anything. Where's the damn video? It happens very, very fast. It's the, the uh, links at the bottom of the article. Yeah, I'm trying to find that. And, but you know me, I never get to the bottom of the article. That's right. You don't Wait, read the full... it's not at the bottom of mine. What the fudge, dude? Uh, but anyway, so a bluff charge is when like a primate, uh, especially a gorilla, a large primate, you know, wants to uh, guard its territory and it'll do uh, a charge at you. But it's really a bluff. They're not out to like run into you. They just want to run right past you and uh, show dominance. You almost see, need you the can, lights see, off for this. See if you can see this. anything. I put yeah. it to full screen. You, you can, oh, oh, that's very Henry, Harry and the Hendersons. Okay, take a look again. It'll be in the middle of the screen, Aaron. Okay. There is like a Harry and the Hendersons figure running at them in the flashlight. Oh, oh, she saw it. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine's yeah. not working very good. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I saw that. Well, We're all paused. Anyway. Okay, we went yeah. to a haunted house once in New Zealand where you just walk through the dark and then every once in a while the light flashes on and someone's running at you. <laughs> oh, and no it was way. Like, Are you serious? <laughs> it's the scariest thing I've ever done in my oh, entire life. that's crazy. Yeah. And then they turn the lights off and you're like, <laughs> but, and then they disappear. No way. Yeah. That's kind of frightening. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah. But, all of this makes me not want to go camping. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. I mean, God, I don't know if I would either. Here but it is. It's great to see that, uh, that it's like definitely back. I've in got the... a pause here. Um, Hey, look at if that. you look at it looks like fingerprints on my phone. Can you see it? Yeah, yeah, see I can the, def- the, the the pectoral muscles in the open mouth. Creepy. You can kind yeah, of see the teeth. Terrifying. It's very hairy in the Henderson's looking. Now, yeah, un- yeah. Un- unlike the uh, of course skeptics chime in on on both articles. Some say that uh the skeptics of the house say, "Oh, that's just a wolf in in uh, you know, in in pain." And I'm like, a "That's wolf? no f- Oh, the howl? Yeah, the howl. That's no wolf. And in this oh. video, the skeptics say, eh, it looks like there might be a cut or two. And, we, you know, making, yeah. ma- saying that, you know, these kids made it up. But I don't know. Well, you I mean, I, I understand that the one with the running yeah. seems a little like, oh, they went looking for it. Right. And then they just happened to find it. Right. But they do sound very genuinely yeah, terrified. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And I find that little children are not great actors. No, yeah. and you've worked with a lot of them. Yeah. Right, right. No, and it's a good point. Mostly, they're not great. Yeah, yeah. So um, they sound... And if that's real, if it's not real, we got to get them to Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, there are also tricky dads out there that will set kids up. Then go have uncle hide in a costume in the woods, and then yep. the kids are terrified. Yeah. So who knows? But Leah, what do you think? I don't know. Would a parent go that far? My to... dad absolutely yeah. would. <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah, some parents are super messed up. <laughs> if it meant striking terror in the heart of their own child, 100%. Oh, that's yeah. funny. This is the man who used to play a game called Scarlet Claw. 
<laughs> Scarlet cloth. Yeah, and he'd make me and my sister when we were both under ten years old, and he'd make us go up into his to my mom and dad's bedroom, and then he would go hot turn out all the lights in the house and hide someplace. And my mom would be like, okay, there you go. And she would, we'd leave the safety of our mother's arms. And we would walk through the house with, armed only with a pillow. One pillow between us. And my dad would jump out with a flashlight under his face from some dark corner of the house and go, Scarlet Claw. Oh, that's great. And it was the scariest thing that's ever that's happened. That's called fun. That's called... How can I express more anger towards my children? <laughs> a friend just told me just this weekend about camping when she, they were young with their siblings. And the parents were like smoking joints out in the by the fire. And they all were talking about bears and this and that. And all the kids are in the tent. And the parents like, you know, came up shaking the tent. And she's like. I puked. My sister pissed herself. (laughs) And then the parents were like mad that the tent was all messy. And they were like, what? They're like, didn't you see us with the human forms in the sheets? And they're like, no. (laughs) Now clean up that shit. (laughs) Aaron, you're a mother. Do you ever scare your children for fun? No, I I don't. I don't. I just. They don't like to be scared. Yeah, kids generally they don't, don't like, like to, to be, be scared. scared. Dad. Yeah. Dad, mm. it's your job yeah. to make us not scared. Well, I know that in Colorado this summer we had two uh, Bigfoot sightings, and the Bigfoot Research Organization came out to verify at least how um, viable a sighting they were, mm-hmm. and they decided that one of the sightings they were like, oh, maybe not so much, but one of the Colorado sightings. The, the Bigfoot Research Organization was like, yeah, that sounds like a pretty, pretty believable event. Yeah. Oh, man, they add up. You know, there's I would say out of the thousands that come in, I mean, there's probably hundreds of them that are, you know, pretty credible. Or I think. Do you remember the details of the one that was uh, viable? Uh, if I remember it, it was in Summit County, which is interesting because that's where all the ski areas are. So it's a very populated area. And. I think it must have been at the end of summer, pretty high up because there was still snow. But I think some hikers found or in the in the distance witnessed a Bigfoot mm. and the Bigfoot actually left footprints in the snow. So I think that's what the BFRO came out to investigate were the footprints in the snow. And they were like, yeah, those don't look like something that somebody just made for a joke. Interesting. Bryce, do you mm. have any interaction with the BFRO on Expedition Bigfoot? No, we we we've we've really looked to uh, differentiate ourselves from from them, and because they're pretty they're pretty tied closely. To, You're your own BFR. We're our, well, no we're, we're no, we're just our own thing. I mean, you know, we wanted to stay very independent. That can get a lot of, you know, listen when you attach yourself to a to a community, not to a community like that, but to an organization like that, it can, you know, it can kind of. You know, taint the independent research of of what we're trying to do. It just comes with baggage, is what you're saying. Yeah, it comes with a little bit of baggage. Like, I mean, they were so they. You know, listen, the guy that founded BFRO is 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 Matt Moneymaker, and and he was the the guy on Finding Bigfoot. So gotcha. we worked we worked pretty hard to differentiate different ourselves. Show. From, different show, yeah. Got it. Um, maybe season two, you guys get out to Colorado. Just yeah, saying, that would be uh, that just. would be awesome. Absolutely. Listen, I've said it before, but Bigfoot is reported in like all 
well, 50 states except Hawaii, so that would be 49 states. But um, hey, and all over the foot. world, so I would love I would love to go anywhere. I would definitely like to. Guys, you, you know, know what, Bryce? Don't get too excited. Yeah, Let's get to season Let's two, and then you can go one. to. <laughs> you can and go about the whole Hawaii thing, I actually went to Hawaii last year, and I took my Bigfoot costume, and I did take a photo of me in my Bigfoot costume in Hawaii, so there actually now has been a sighting oh, of that's Bigfoot amazing. in Hawaii. Fantastic. There you go. All 50 done. Bam. We're Have gonna you take stopped a... sweating yet? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, it's time for our guest's personal paranormal history. Sweet. Uh, ladies, you've both been on the show before. Yeah. Uh it's been a, over a year, though. So, uh, Leah, you mentioned that you've had some paranormal encounters since you've last been on the show. Wait, yes. since? since? Yes. Aaron, yeah. you? Any any new paranormal, personal paranormal updates? Well, no. <laughs> no, no, no more goddesses in the sky? No, no more. No more cloud ladies? No, the only thing that is like every once in a while, just weird, some weird sounds in our house Ooh, where, you know, okay, like sometimes you're like, a a, you know, like maybe you just hear a little clump, clump, clumping, clumping somewhere, but it's a really, it's an old house. Clumping, it's an, clumping. That sounds clump, like footsteps. Like, well, no, but not like a footsteps, but like something that'll be like, what is happening? Like just a little, like maybe, but it, the house, I don't want to say breathes, but like. Oh, Wait, your house breathes? <laughs> no, just the way the air moves and the doors are really heavy. So yeah. if, you know, one door opens somewhere else, something else like kind of slams upstairs or something, just the way the air moves through the house. Yes. Um, so it's haunted. It might be a little. So your house <laughs> it, has lungs. It's like a 1906 house. And when we moved in, it was very clear that there were people living in every space of the house like up in the attic there was a little light switch with like some stickers next to it mm. but like in a really kind of not you wouldn't want to live in the crawl space of an attic or no. down in the basement when my niece who is very sensitive to that kind of stuff she didn't like the basement at all and it was very clear that somebody was living down in the basement. Like there were some like built-in furniture things that were really short and it, is, it seemed sad down there. I don't like it down there. But she did not like it down in the basement. Getting bad vibes. Um, but I really just try to talk to the house like, we're all good here. Look at us. We're a loving family. It's all cool. Are the <laughs> Don't kid, take Lila. <laughs> are the kids scared? No, not at all. It's like it's actually got a great vibe. The house has a great vibe. Just... And I do think it's just airflow, like things move around and things creak and stuff like that. But and if it's not, don't take Lila. <laughs> <laughs> don't take Lila. Her room's real drafty and her torch slams a lot. <laughs> well, I'm just spending, it out there. I'm spending the night there tonight and now I'm scared. <laughs> Are you in the basement? I'm I, no. I am never going to the ba- that basement. Nah, don't go to the basement. There's a lot of cockroaches too. <laughs> oh go record some EVP. No, you've had... What have you... I can, I'm dying to hear this story. Uh, well, I had a what i was hoping was going to be a paranormal experience and then an actual one uh, i applied for a writing residency uh, that was going to take place this past summer and i was second in line to get it and as part of it there was an in- interview process and so the interviewer called me and they said so leah the writing residency is in an old house and you will be spending the night alone for a month on the third floor this is how you get into the residency you first have to live in a haunted house for a month yes and she 
basically during the interview was like, now the house is haunted and you will be experiencing this, some kind of paranormal events. This is a psychological experience. We while, definitely want guests there for a month. <laughs> she's like, while you're alone in the attic. And she's like, is that a problem? And in my mind, I'm like, fuck, yes, that's a problem. I don't want to be alone with ghosts. Um but I, you know, but I also wanted the writing residency and right. I was like, no, it's totally fine. And I actually told her the story I told on the podcast last time about how I'm very experienced with ghosts and they actually save me and we're friends. And Which just to recap quickly, if in case our, uh, a new listener has not heard that story, your, your house caught on fire yes. and a ghost woke you up. Yes. My house caught on fire and I lived with four other roommates. And so it was rare that nobody was home and I lived in the attic. And so there was just a tiny window, so there was no way out. And the ghost, who would always visit me only when I napped, it was like a very old pervy ghost who could only stay awake during the daytime. Mm. Whenever I would take a nap, I would feel someone like squeezing my leg. And so I was like friends with this ghost. Just a horny raccoon. Just a a little handsy. Take it easy. And then my house caught on fire and I went to sleep and it was... I was at dead asleep and I I just suddenly woke up and it just felt like someone was telling me you have to go downstairs. Mm. Like just immediately go downstairs and mail a package. You have a package you have to mail. And I was like, okay. And I went downstairs and discovered my house on fire. Wow. And so I'm yeah. fully convinced that my, my little pervy ghost like saved me from the fire. That's crazy. Gotta keep those calves from burning up in a fire. <laughs> Are you dying to know what which writer got the residency? I'm dying like I want to talk to one of these writers that has had this residency. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, yeah. and it was yeah, and so I should yeah, I should email her and say, did you have any paranormal experience? Wait, so what happened? Did you go I did not get it. Oh, I did not get it. Which no. I was kind of happy about i was like i don't want to be alone silver lining there i guess i was like i'm gonna have to bring garlic and holy water and you know whatever you need to bring to ward off ghosts can you imagine how dark your next children's book would have been it was very dark and traumatizing (laughs) yeah but then i actually did have a ghost experience i um had dinner a couple weeks ago at this old restaurant in uh, a part of Colorado that had underground working mines. Mm. And they built this restaurant on top of an old mine that had collapsed. And they were able to pull out two of the miners, but one miner was never found. And they claim that his ghost still haunts that area. And the restaurant, they actually brought from New Mexico an old mining cabin uh and they turned it into this restaurant so it's very you know very atmospheric and it's like yeah i can feel how this place would be haunted and i was visited by the ghost in the bathroom i i went to the bathroom and you know those um uh paper towel holders where if you swipe your hand in front of it it automatically comes out yeah so i walked into the bathroom and i was alone in there and as i'm doing my business I hear like the um, paper towels come out as if someone had swiped their hand in front of it. Oh, weird. And the entire time I'm in there, I keep hearing the paper towels coming out and the paper towels coming out. And when I came out of the stall, the floor was covered in a pile of uh, paper towels and the sink was on full blast with water. And the sink was not on when you went into the stall? I got in there. 
And part of me was like, I feel like this ghost is going to follow me home. And sure enough, later the next day, I was at home. And all of a sudden, my fire detector on the wall just sprung off the wall onto the floor. Oh, hell no. And... So, you know, I mean, these could all just be coincidences, but you just, you know, when you get the vibe, you know, when yeah. you feel it Gotta up your spine. And Was the like, toilet paper in the paper towel roll just like unfolded? Well, the second, I, like the entire time I was in the stall, it was, I could hear it and the paper towels were coming out. But and not this, at home. Oh, but not at I home. I thought maybe they were just doing paper products at home <laughs> Oh, no, well. nothing, nothing at home. Nothing at home. No. Yeah. Well, did yeah. it stop when you came out of the stall? The second I... Got out of the stall. It, it like, stopped. Uh? It stopped. Yeah. And you hear the knobs go. <laughs> and I turned did, the did water the sinks, off. And... You turned the water off. I turned the water yeah. off. Yeah. So the, Oh, hell no. Sinks weren't yeah. automatic. They were knobs. They were knobs. That's creepy Ooh, for sure. And this is all in an old miner's cabin? Yeah. It was like, not like a miner's cabin, but you know, an old when they're doing mining and the yeah. mining building for when okay. they're... Okay, Jesus. That yeah. was like one of my worst uh, worst ways to go, I think. I'd often like, what's the worst way to die? But being those miners, I remember hearing a story when we were exploring an old mine shaft and they'd be like, you know, miners back then, they didn't they used candles as, as lanterns and stuff and they would tie a rope to themselves because these, these shafts and these mines were really labyrinthian. So there would be tunnels and mazes. Oof. And sometimes these ropes, they would like you know, disconnect from them and they, you know, they're, they would get lost in these mazes in complete and utter darkness and nope. then just end up, you know, dying at in some hole in a cave, you know, just crazy way to go. Yeah. It's no. so weird though, that you got the feeling that this was going to follow you home and it, and it did. That's, that's crazy. Call that a hitchhiker ghost. Ooh. Yeah. I don't like <laughs> no, it. No, thank you. I don't yeah. like it. No, thank you. Leah, have you been... Um, traveling more now with the book. So the Cryptid uh, Catcher's been out for over a year, mm-hmm. and Cryptid Keeper's out now. Um, how has your life changed, and have you been doing more, like, like cryptid stuff out and about? Did you ever go to Portland, Maine, to the Cryptid yes. Museum? Yes, I actually was a speaker at the International Cryptozoology Conference. Wow. And that was... You know, first of all, I got to meet Lauren Coleman, the founder. And yeah. last time you had like maybe exchanged a couple emails. Yeah, but... we were like in in contact, but I had never met him, and so I got to go and go to the museum and meet him at the conference, and and it was just spectacular to meet one of the world's most renowned cryptozoologists. I mean, he's been in the field for forty years, yep. knows everything about everything. Um, so just wonderful to listen to him and listen to his presentations. And, uh, the presentation I did was about how to get kids into cryptozoology. And I talk about how cryptozoology is a gateway science where the same way that we discover animals that we haven't yet discovered, um, cause we discover about one to two mammals a year. Uh, it's the same scientific method you use to search for, legendary animals or cryptids that we hope are real, like Bigfoot and the Chupacabra. Um, So I did a fun presentation on that. But in general, what I found fascinating about the conference is, you know, I'm pretty new to the world of cryptozoology. And I thought I was going to be surrounded by people. um, How can I say this? You you know, just, you know, interesting, like Crazy storytellers wackadoos. with great, well, yeah, a real cast of characters. Yeah. But everybody there was so 
serious and they were researchers and they consider themselves chroniclers and even not necessarily believers, but researchers of these animals that might exist. Yeah. And I even had one woman come up to me and after my presentation and she introduced herself and she said, you know, I am a professor at, I'm a tenured professor of biology at a college. And she said, I saw a sea serpent. And I wrote an article that I was going to publish about seeing a sea serpent. And my college got wind of it and said, if you publish that, you will lose all credibility as, yep. as a professor, as a That's biologist. A and so she's like, I can't tell anybody about it. Um, so it was really fascinating to be surrounded by fellow cryptozoologists and to realize the serious research and study that goes into finding these animals. I mean, it's insane. Like the stigma of this stuff follows people around. I mean, we, I mean, this has pretty much ruined our acting careers, Bryce. Now that we're talking about <laughs> this, you know, it has, we you can't, know, you know, our legitimacy as actors has been flushed down the toilet, but it is true. People, like people, it is, you know, the real smear campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Not for my guest star. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but it is it is fascinating because you hear this time and time again, stories that go unreported, or people a lot of policemen don't want to report UFO sightings because you know, there's the famous one of uh Zamora. Yeah. Uh Arnie Zamora? Uh Lonnie. Lonnie, Lonnie Zamora. thank you. Lonnie Zamora from New Mexico saw an egg-shaped flying craft that had landed with two pilots come out uh, outside of it that like went inside and took off and it ruined his career and his credibility even though you go well that's a super credible guy right just like a you know just like you're you're like working class like policemen, highway patrolmen. Those are the guys that you want to hear these stories from because they see shit out there all the time. So it is that is fascinating that some of these awesome stories that we could get, we're not going to because the scientific community uh, won't, su- won't support it. Well, and that it. extends to our men and women who, who work in the military who fly our most cutting-edge technology. You know, They report and see these things too. Are we to call them like liars and and hoaxers it's it's ridiculous you know and you do you really do you become an outlier which is kind of why i like it i I, it kind of goes against the grain a little bit and i mean it's fascinating since we've started the show i mean you began as an armchair cryptozoologist and now you're you're an official cryptid hunter as of this airing the shows (laughs) as of this episode airing uh expedition bigfoot is already premiered yeah and now you're like an international hit it's a huge hit. hit yep uh, yep. you've already been greenlit for 10 seasons. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would do 10. I had, listen, I and had, you no longer talk to any of us. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's right. Skyping That's in. That's right. <laughs> and it's, it's voice only. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the Himalayas there's no right video. <laughs> I had so much fun on that show, and that, that's the thing too. I mean, we're you're exploring a mystery, you know, and isn't that what science is about? At the end of the day, is to like take something that is unknown and trying to discover what it is. I mean, I think I think so many scientists, but you know, I don't know. There's a community out there that's uh, uh, of outlier scientists who are discovering in, in stuff like quantum field that the that the world is a lot more mysterious than that, that they once thought it was. And and now they're becoming outliers in the science community as well. You know, so uh, there's 
listen, their history is up for grabs, and so is so is the future sciences. I mean, it's anybody's game, I think, at this point. And what's interesting is, pe- you know, a lot of people call cryptozoology a pseudoscience, but what they don't realize is that cryptids have been found. That there are certain animals who that are considered cryptids that then are actually found, like the okapi is the original cryptid, you know, kind of the half zebra, half giraffe that people were like, I keep seeing this creature and people are like, it doesn't actually exist. Well, it didn't until they found it. The giant panda was a cryptid. The platypus was a cryptid. And so like I tell people, it's it's only weird until we find it. Mm -hmm. And then you just accept it as real. Well, you just reminded me of a story that came out um, in November uh, there's rumors that the Tasmanian tiger, which is thought to have been extinct since 1936, uh, people are starting to see it around now as well. So there might be some of these species that are coming back. Right, because cryptids um, are actually are also can be also animals that we think are extinct, mm-hmm. but then we do rediscover them. And it's like, where were they hiding? Where have they been? And like I tell kids during my school visits, I'm like, if we can rediscover uh, the San Juan cutthroat brown trout like we did in Colorado that we thought was extinct, maybe, just maybe, we'll find the megalodon. Does that um, trout have like a switchblade? Because <laughs> no, if not, it's just a very boring fish. <laughs> That's the thing is, you want. Well, what like... if the megalodon comes back and it's just as angry as in that movie? <laughs> yeah, that'd be, <laughs> be pissed. Like an awesome. It's just like you know. The I think the thing is, people are like, yeah, but I'd rather see a Bigfoot than a fish. But it is true. It's true. What you're saying is true. It's just not always as sexy as a Bigfoot. Yes. Although a new creature that we did discover in the past few years is the bird-eating vampire frog, which I think is pretty, maybe not sexy, but interesting that it is a frog with fangs that jumps up and eats birds out of the sky. I've never heard anything. Um, That's a new discovery that we've made. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Jumps up out of the sky to eat a bird. Jumps up off the ground into the oh, sky. Oh, did I say out of the sky? Yes. Same thing. Same exact thing. Where do frogs live? In the sky or on the ground? <laughs> so, the same thing. Sky yeah, and ground. Sure, sure, sure. That's during, what is it, the Armageddon where the sky will rain with frogs. Oh, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So in, do you think that, that you're more too. open to the fantastical side of cryptid since last time you were here or no? Absolutely. I mean, I think the the realization of that cryptozoology isn't just about these fantastical animals, but it it is about animals that we have found. Mm. And again, things are only fantastical until we actually discover them. And then they're just common everyday things. Who would have thought if you had said, hey, do you know there's this giant creature that looks like a teddy bear wandering around? It'd be like, no, that's crazy. And then we find the giant, well, giant just, panda. Oh, I was going to say, that's it's, just a grizzly bear. <laughs> here's the here's the problem. Would you guys though. be we're starting, sad though? Oh, I was going to say oh, we're sorry. starting to we're starting to come to a point where we understand that yeah, there's cryptozoological creatures that have yet to be discovered that that we have found, and that the, and then there seems to be these bevy of of creatures and monsters and phantoms that belong to the to the world of the paranormal. They don't really belong to this to this dimension or to this to this world, and. Uh, you know, so there seems to be two of those different classes, and those are the ones I find just as interesting as what's what Bryce is saying is he doesn't care about the fish either. Um, <laughs> yeah. Aaron, what was your question? I mean, my question is, 
if it was discovered that like Bigfoot is just this species of animal that you haven't discovered, how sad would you be? Oh, I'd yeah. be stoked. Would you? Yeah. If it was just like a, a primate? Yeah, just a primate. Well, gorillas are awesome. Orangutans are awesome. I love all the... I'd be Would stoked. you be a little bit sad that there was no paranormal... No, mm. I wouldn't. I would definitely not. I'd be super, super stoked. Bryce, you want to unpack that? Well, I don't know. I'd have to like, uh, what are the implications of actually finding one? I'd want to know if it was like... More, well, I don't know. You did on your show that's more, airing now on the Travel Channel, Expedition Bigfoot. Touche. Touche. Uh, well, thanks for putting me in the spot there. Uh, but I was going to well, say, like, I don't you, know This if is it's... your new reality. You're going to have to learn how to <laughs> work with it. <laughs> If I'm uh, just to answer your your yeah. hypothetical question, if it, 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 but I'd want to know: is it more more of a primate, or is it more anthropologic? Is it more human based? Is it like a missing link to our you know ancestral tree? More or, human than yeah. Is it is it is it some sort of like Neanderthal that's uh, you know left still roaming the vast plains, or is it some like you know primate that crossed over from from Africa and who you know. I don't know. Or is it paranormal? Yeah. You wanted to come out of a portal. We all know that. Um, speaking of portals, uh, Aaron, you're in the new Bill and Ted's film, the Bill yes. and Ted movie. What's the title of it? Bill and Ted Face the Music. Dude. Wow. Yeah. Um, did you do any research on time travel for this film? <laughs> it's a very serious I film about it. time travel. Listen, the, the, it is very, it is, I mean... Close to a drama comedy as you can get. <laughs> oh my god! Um, no, I I did I did I, I rewatched the first two movies. That's, yeah, I that's certainly all did that. So I did do. like my character. I think Bob's Journey is a very um, uh, underrated movie. It's hilarious. The movies are so fun and they're so like relentlessly op, like they're such relentless optimists. Yep. These characters. Um, and it's fun to be, and then I play the wife of Keanu Reeves, like, of Ted. So we're kind of on this little journey with them. These The wives are That's fun. kind of, because we've seen it and we come from it, that there's no doubt in our eyes. It's just kind of with the premises it, that they haven't made this song. So you, we're kind of going like the end of Bogus, very end of Bogus Journey. It's kind of didn't, Yeah. Wow. So it's it like the wild summer. stallions don't happen. Well, it didn't. Yeah. It's kind of like it didn't ha- it doesn't really address it. It's just that this song that's supposed to unite the world yeah. never happened. So what happens if you're to two people, if they are spending 25 years trying for something and mm-hmm. not succeeding and mm-hmm. what does that do mm-hmm. to your psyche and your soul oh, oh, so that you know like mm-hmm. do you have what you're hitting home with us uh it was fun it was fun to be a part of it but there is a certain point in every time travel movie where you really just go like wait hold hold on you know like in the script fit when you're just kind of working out the script where you have to all as a group get into a large discussion about time travel right. and it all breaks down real fast. Yep. If you go to, it's really that like looper thing where they just say in the middle of it, like, don't even try to think about it. It'll break you. Right, you know, right. move on. Yeah. <laughs> move on. Accept the premise and move on. Like just it, what's happening, does, now, you know. Does it follow a specific, I mean, the, I feel like this the second one had some like specific time travel rules. It gets a little more specific in terms. Yes, it does. Okay. It does follow some rules and it breaks it down a little bit more at the end as much as a fun romp of a comedy is ever going to. Um, 
I know, to, you got to wrap stuff I have up. To ask yeah, a, yeah. I have to ask a difficult question. Yeah. Okay. What do they do about Rufus? Um, Can you say? Yes. I think so. I, I mean, mean, very clearly, George Carlin is no longer yes. with us. Um, but Kristen Schaal is, and she is his daughter. Oh, oh okay, great. cool. Yeah. And Aaron and I went to college with Kristen Schaal. Oh, did you? Really? Yeah, yeah. At, at CU Boulder. She she was there just for a year or a She semester. was there very quickly, and then she... Uh, and then she transferred to Northwestern. Um, Which is we right. In, we, I yeah. guess we never explained why you two are here together yeah, right. in this yeah, we entire went to episode. College, together. <laughs> college friends. Yeah, college friends. And yeah, Kristen and I, you weren't in that, were you not in? Oh yeah, I was in. You, you were can't, in, can't take, take it take with it. you. Mm-hmm. Right, we God, were in a college production together. I don't remember That's, much of my college. Uh, Bernard Shaw, right? Can't take it with you? No. Right? No, who's that? Oh good, it's two guys. <laughs> oh no. Oh good, it's the two guys. You. I can't remember. It's um... Heart Kaufman and oh, Hart. Yes. Oh, Kaufman, Kaufman and Hart. Thank Kaufman you. Um, but Kristen Shaw. So Kristen and I are sitting on set, and we're like, "Oh my god, we have to find. Do you think there's any pictures of us? And who would we even contact to get them?" And like two minutes later, she's on the CU website, theater website, and like archive photos, and we fi- find a picture what? of her and I, like on stage. It was so yeah. That's a trip. Yeah, we tried to recreate it. Did I'm you put that in those. the movie? Huh. Yeah, we pitched it. And yeah. They were like, guys, I didn't have anything to do with anything. <laughs> You're like, but time travel, it's us. It's, yeah, look it's it. Us, it's us like, then and, and now. Yeah. <laughs> Should I give this to the props department? Yeah. Or the what? Art department? Um, it's yeah. uh, So, Aaron, I, I don't know why I was thinking about this earlier, Leah, but um, what's the main character's name in your book? Clive Wren. Now, where did you find that name? Uh, Is it good? Well, please, tell him, please tell the story of... Um, because um, I guess we should say yes. that for people who don't know that this is a, f- a fictitious book for middle grade readers. Yes, it's like a humorous adventure novel for yeah. eight to twelve year olds Got about uh, the world of cryptozoology. Um, and I guess I'll uh, so I came up with the name Clive Wren. I'll, I'll tell the story a little bit of my editor. So. When I got my book acquired, I was acquired by one editor uh, who was my champion and loved my work. And then she quit. And so then another editor had to pick me up. And I am with an imprint that is very literary. Um, and my book is obviously just a humorous, you know, adventure novel. And I was talking to my new editor and I could tell that he was like really trying to find something deep and meaningful about <laughs> my book. And I was like, no, no, it's really just about about Bigfoot. And he was like, well, Leah, what about what about your main character, Clivo Wren? That's such a unique name. Like, what's the origin story of that? And and I could tell that he was like really hoping for something good, like meaningful and deep. And I was like, well, I love Clive Owen, the actor. <laughs> and so when I was coming up with names, I was like, Clive Owen. Clive O. Wren. I like it. And (laughs) I I don't think his eyes could have rolled any further into Uh, the back of his head. He was so disappointed. I was telling her that in this story, I have cast Bob Balaban as her editor. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's Clive O. Wren based on my lustful feelings for Clive Owen. I was watching. I love this. That's great. I was watching not too long ago Troll. I'd never seen the movie Troll from 1986. Jennifer Aniston, right? No, No, that's Leprechaun. Jennifer Connelly? No. Troll is good. Troll is the movie about 
uh, family of four. There's no one like super. Oh, Julia Louis Dreyfus plays one of the neighbors in it. That's like the most All famous right. person in the movie. But it's about a family that moves into an apartment building, and yeah, a troll out in the a, laundry room. A right? troll lives in the laundry room, yeah. and then slowly he's turning every apartment in the building into like a parallel it's the the apartments become portals to other yeah, dimensions yeah and he's like hatching all these like little trolls but it's amazing because it's like one point 20 minutes into the movie where the father introduces himself and his name is harry potter oh no way <laughs> and then the kid what? who's the lead kid his name and his sister's possessed by the troll and he's the only one who knows. And the kid's name is Harry Potter Jr. Harry <laughs> oh Potter. Oh, my like, God. Amazing. So I was like trying to be like, oh, what if this is a, it's like a sequel to Harry Potter? Or Dude, like J.K. Rowling movie. saw Troll in 1986, <laughs> subliminally file that name away. Yeah. Never know. But it's so funny to watch a movie from 1986 and two characters in it are named are Harry named Potter. Harry? God. Wow. That movie was That's so great. Amazing. It tapped into the fear of like walking down those dark steps of your parents basement and then like from behind the dryer in the dark corner this creepy looking troll that movie is out. wild there's and images of it that are it. flashing into yeah, my head it was creepy but then when you were describing it i was like oh, were they friends with him but it wasn't that kind of movie <laughs> no, no they were it's not. like uh it's like an et setup but he's a dirty he's... old bastard right. it's, oh. it's not right. good i mean it's a great great movie um okay so, you know, we have a game that we like to play with our guests, sure. and we've revised the list since last time both of you were on. Uh, so I'm going to go down a list of things, and you're going to tell me, uh, if you believe it, you say believe it. If you don't believe it, you say bullshit. Okay. This, of course, is the game we call Bullshit or Believe It. All right. Aaron. Yeah. Leah. Yes. On your mark. Get set. Ghosts. Believe it. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. Believe it. Little gray aliens. Yeah, believe it. Believe it. Out-of-body experiences. Believe it. Yeah, believe it. Demonic possession. Uh, bullshit. bullshit. The Bermuda Triangle. Bullshit. Believe it. Loch Ness Monster. Believe it. Bullshit. Time travel. Believe it. Ugh. Believe it. I mean, you have to because it could have been it in the future. <laughs> Mothman. Bullshit. Bullshit. Reincarnation. Believe it. Believe it. ESP. Believe it. Believe it. Haunted houses. Believe it. Believe it. The Illuminati. Believe Bullshit. it. There's a face on Mars. What? There's Believe a. Bullshit. It. Okay, I'll show you a picture. Skunk ape. <laughs> Skunk cave? Skunk ape. He's the Bigfoot of Florida. Florida's Bigfoot. Um, Believe it. I don't know. Bullshit. Heaven. Bullshit. Believe it. Hell. Bullshit. Bullshit. Sea serpents. Believe it. Poltergeist. Oh. Believe it. Believe it. Poltergeist. <laughs> Believe it. Is it a poltergeist a ghost? Yeah, it's a ghost that throws shit around the room. Oh, believe it. Angry ghost. Yeah. Mm. Chupacabra. Believe it. I don't know. Bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. What's Chupacabra to me? I Atlantis. I never met the guy. I never met him. Atlantis. Oh, my mom's going to be so mad. Bullshit. Believe it. Life on other planets. Believe it. Believe it. Parallel dimensions. Sure, why not? Believe it. Bullshit. The apocalypse. It's happening. Believe it. Believe it. Life after death. Believe it. 
Isn't that reincarnation? Oh, it's like your soul goes to some place after we die. Life after death. Oh. Can it just go to like turn into energy? Sure. Is that life after death? Yeah. Believe it. I mean, let's unpack it, is it? Good job, by the way. Yeah. Good oh my job. Awesome. Thank you. Thank um, you. Uh, Leah, you have definitely come closer to our end of the spectrum. You said believe it a lot more than you did last time. Very if much If I recall. So. Yes. Very much I'm so. shocked. I think you called Bigfoot bullshit last time. Apologetically, Did I? yes. I believe so. We can go back and look, really? but I think so. Really? I oh, seem that's... to recall you were far more skeptical about these, yeah, these things. Yeah, I think over the past year of like attending cryptozoology conferences and talking to people and hearing their firsthand accounts, mm-hmm. it's like... It happens. You have to. It rubs off on you, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Um, you guys, you said bullshit to Mothman, though. I don't know why. I think... I I think that I do still distinguish uh, like storytelling legends, tall tales Mm -hmm. um, from creatures that I think might actually exist. And for whatever reason, I think I put Mothman more into like a tall tall tale Mm, story. Um, Loch Ness Monster, I think you said bullshit last time and you say believe it now. Oh, wow. Uh, Let's see. Oh, reincarnation. Both heavy heavy believes. (laughs) No, I might be wrong. I do. I fully believe in reincarnation. Okay. I really do think that, like, wh- I don't know. I'm do you like, think you've been reincarnated? Yes. What were you in I your think, previous life? I don't know. I My thoughts are there's those people that you meet throughout your life where it's really, like, just all of a sudden easy and you know them. Mm. And it's like you want to give them a hug the first time you meet them. There's just something there. And I feel like those are people that you've had some sort of connection with in other ways i was cleopatra you well everybody was famous (laughs) everybody was famous right nobody was reincarnated that is a problem when people are like i was nefertiti it's also a problem with time travel movies they always time travel and just see the famous person they're never Mm. just seeing some ditch digger yeah um i but i did that's the like or I would see like my kids, like my daughter one time we were at this self-realization fellowship for Halloween and this like older woman, Maggie they ran out the up best to candy. her. They do. The Maggie ran up to her and just like, got, like, like the woman was like, <gasps> and picture and they just like had this connection where Maggie was like stroke, my daughter, like three year old was like stroking her face and smile. Like she was not, she was a particular child with people. And they just had this thing where I was like, you guys, I'm going to give you some time. You guys know each other. Like those kind of things. That's just a feeling too. There's a whole plethora of case literature on reincarnation. Scientific papers, uh, peer reviewed too. There was a guy named Dr. Ian Stevenson who basically came pretty close to almost conclusive evidence for the existence for the existence of reincarnation i mean the guy's work is 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 uh stands alone but uh have you ever heard of him yeah we you talked about him on the show yeah i gotta do an episode of high strangeness on him but yeah there there are some cases where and where usually you get it in kids from the ages of like two to six they'll remember uh they'll remember their past lives in such ornate detail and they'll be just kind of haunted by these past lives and oftentimes their parents will go to uh, seek these professional help. They'll go to, to an orphanage and they'll leave their kids there, and then <laughs> yeah, they'll get new kids. Like, no, yeah. but they'll they're able to actually track down uh, the person in the past who this kid or kids claim to have been, and and they're able to they they do it like by a point system. Like 
you know, uh, you were able to tell us like 35 points of fact that that, that you could oh. not have known otherwise had you not been that yeah, person. That kind of stuff and, is I mean, it's just like when you read those case studies, you're just like, it, your mind is blown. You're like, well, this kid isn't just making it up, you know? What? How um, would those kids know that kind of information? Yeah. So they divided into two different hypotheses. It's called the survival hypothesis, which means that the soul survives and gets reincarnated, or it's called the living psi agency, which means that these kids have a psychic ability to pick up on some sort of information uh, that's relayed in their surrounding and their environment from a book they might have passed or touched by. Um, but then once they get touched more, by, uh, passed by, or touched, just anything, anything, sort of a living, a living, picking up on psychical transmissions. That book touched me. I was touched by. Oh, that I was book. always breaking my chops. Uh, but anyway, so busting uh, your chops. You but mean? the more you yeah. get into those, no, you can use breaking your chops. <laughs> That's New York. New York is <laughs> the, the no, narrow icon. New York is breaking chops, giving that breaking that balls. You. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, and Dr. I Stevenson. actually had a um, a past life flashback. Um, just now, she's uh, just flashback to minute. ten of her lives. Um, but when I was a kid, I was always fascinated with the med- medieval era and mm. castles. And when I was younger, I was convinced I was just in the wrong time period, and I was sure that someday, like in the air, like this door was going to open, and somebody was going to be like Leah you're in the wrong time period. Whoa. Like, come here. And then one like day... Like a glowing portal door. Yeah. Mm, and then so one day cool. I had a, a past life flashback. It's the only way I can describe it. It's going to sound really cheesy at first, but I was at Disney World um, with my mom, and I was looking at the castle, and we're sitting there having lunch, and I'm looking at the castle, and all of a sudden, everything goes dark, and I'm walking around. I'm in, like, this old medieval tavern, and I'm walking behind a big oak table that's just surrounded by old soldiers in like chain mail, like as if they were fresh out of a battle. Whoa. And they're drinking and eating. And I'm walking behind them. And even as I'm doing this, I'm thinking in my head, look at your hands, look at your hands, so that I would know if I was a man, if I was a woman, but I didn't look at my hands. Mm. And all of a sudden, one of the soldiers in chainmail says a joke and I start laughing and then I feel myself being pulled out of it and as I'm being pulled out of it I'm like remember the joke remember the joke and I kind of come to and I'm laughing and my mom's like what are you laughing about and I'm like I just had a past life flashback and she's like "Ooh, tell me more because she was all into it um but I couldn't remember the joke and I knew I wouldn't be able to because I'm sure it was in reference to something that made no she sense. She was me. a lusty wench. That's probably the joke. And it was clear as day as if I was standing there. Uh, I think your next book what? should be about a little girl who is in her bedroom and a glowing door opens and someone's like, you're in the wrong time. Come on. Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. What do they call Just those saying. past life regressionists or something? There's aren't those yeah. specialists that That's, you can go yeah, the see. Specialists. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can go do that. Yeah. Uh we're running out of time ourselves, so we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness. Sweet. And we're back, and it's time for this week's story of high strangeness, and this week is my turn. Uh 
Now, here's a cryptid tale for you both, Aaron and Leah, and I'm not sure if Clive O'Ren has ever encountered this individual. Does he travel to Cornwall, England, in either of your books? No, he does not. Do you know where I'm going with this? I don't. Tonight's story is the tale of the Cornish Owlman. Ooh. Interesting. So, for those of you who don't know, Cornwall is a county in England, the southwestern peninsula of Great Britain that stretches out to the Celtic Sea to its west. Uh, In it, Cornwall, is Monmouth Smith near Falmouth, specifically, that this episode's alleged encounter took place. This, Monmouth Smith, is the home of of the Cornish Owlman, sometimes also known as the Mammon Owlman or the Owlman of Mammon Wood. This avian cryptid is said to stand five to six feet high with grayish silver uh, feathers or fur, wings that span the length of ten feet, pincher-like hands, talon feet, and bright red glowing eyes. He's also been called England's Mothman. Mm. And his appearance in the cryptid lexicon dates just a few years after Mothman's big debut. In April of 1976. It was Easter weekend in Mom and Smith. Two sisters, June Melling, age 12, and Vicky Melling, age 19, were camping in the Mom and Wood near with their parents when they heard a strange hissing sound coming from the nearby parish church. Monon Church is a 13th century chapel surrounded by a sleepy graveyard and is thought by some to be built on a ley line perhaps attracting activity of a highly strange nature. The inscription on the church gates, when translated from Cornish, reads, It is good to draw nigh to the Lord. Drawn by the strange hissing sound, the Melling sisters approached the graveyard to discover, much to their horror, the sight of a strange winged creature hovering over the church tower. Whoever the fuck has their cell phone on during my story of high strangeness, shut it down. <laughs> probably, it's honestly probably me. Uh, they described the figure as a huge bird man with glowing red eyes, pointed ears, and hands like a blacksmith's pinchers. The girls screamed and ran back to their campsite where their father, Del Melling, decided to cut their holiday short by three days. I bet he was pissed. I was picturing you when you were talking about, all right, wrap it up, let's go. <laughs> Vacation's over. For us, girls. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, draw, oh, yes. Strangely, this wasn't the first time two children were harassed by a large bird monster and mommin. Back in 1926... A story was published in the Cornish Echo that two local boys had been pursued by a giant bird creature whom they narrowly escaped by hiding behind a steel grating. In 1937, a newly formed couple of surrealist artists named Max Ernst and Leonora Carrington took a residency in Monin where they were said to have conducted rituals 
to summon Therianthorps, or half-human, half-animal hybrids. Oh, shit. In particular, there you go. the Nightjar Man, a half-bird, half-man that was a recurring icon and theme in both of their work, particularly Max Ernst's. He was obsessed with these, like, turn-of-the-century-looking, like, birdmen. If you ever go into, like, a fancy, like, you know, there's a store here in town called Spitfire Girl where there's, like, pillows of, like, Victorian-looking, like, monkeys and creatures, and there's, like, pictures of, like, men who have, like, wearing a top hat and a monocle, but they have, like, bird heads. That's like Max Ernst was like really into that kind of stuff. I don't know if that made sense to anybody, but it's okay. it's very and hipster now. With top hats. Yeah, it's very hipster looking. Their 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 art has come around. They were clearly ahead of their pentagram time. And shit yeah. and blood. So um, <laughs> this couple, Max and Leonora, they were uh, really interested in uh, summoning through rituals in in Mammon uh, these strange animals. Um, so whether or not they successfully summoned the Owl Man remains a mystery. But it is a tad strange that Ernst died in the spring of 1976, just 16 days before the Owl Man appeared before the Melling Sisters. Yet, since the autumn of 1975, a wave of high strangeness was sweeping across Cornwall, especially in the Falmouth area. Heat waves, sudden cold snaps, a feral cat invasion, a flock of birds beating themselves to death against a local woman's house, cow teleportation, numerous UFOs, and sea serpent sightings were all reported during this time period between 1975 and 1977. Aaron, what what do you have? I didn't steal your cows. They just appeared here. (laughs) You know they teleported. I didn't didn't steal your cows. (laughs) They've been teleported all week. I saw a teleport with my own two eyes. I I didn't steal your cows. (laughs) I just love... The fucking appeared here. You know, and it's funny in my research, I just let that one skate by. <laughs> Someday I'll do the cow teleportation wave of 1977 in Cornwall. Uh, so after June and Vicky's encounter with the Owlman, their father, Del Melling, contacted a local cryptid hunter in Cornwall, a man mm. by the name of Tony Doc, quote, quote unquote, Doc Shields and presented him with June and Vicky's story and a sketch that June made of the cryptid uh, that she encountered hovering above the church tower. Now, uh, here is a recreation of the sketch that June... We'll put oh, this yeah. on the Instagram. It's sort of a right. bat-looking man. Not Batman, but he's, you know, he's feathery. He's got a triangular little face. That's a trip. Mouth and um, big eyes and big pointed ears. Um, like the British Mothman. Yeah, he's totally the British Mothman. So, uh, now, uh, it must be said that Shields, Doc Shields, is a controversial figure in the cryptozoology field. If his name rings a bell, it's because he last popped up on our Loch Ness Monster episode with Craig Ferguson. And he is the guy who took the famous Shields photo of Nessie. And this is the picture of a... Grinning like um, 
uh, Loch Ness monster poking its head out of the water. Oh, this is high the resolution. Toy one, is it? No, that that is the surgeon's photo. Right, surgeon. This one I'll pull up here for everybody. And again, you can go to our Instagram where this will be on there. This is uh, unfortunately not a high resolution, but this will give you the idea. This is the Shields oh, right. photo. He was staying in Urquhart Castle in 1977 and claimed to have summoned Nessie because Doc claimed to be, he was an artist, a magician, a self-proclaimed psychic, and he claimed to summon Nessie out of the waters and he snapped this photo. Weird. Some people also, including Doc Shields, uh, thought that maybe... Uh, Nessie was some sort of elephant uh, squid, and that this uh, head and neck coming out of the water is actually an eyeball and a t- and like a long tentacle. Uh, that there maybe were multiple of those. It's all very weird, and that's covered in our Loch Ness monster episode. Uh, now, a lot of people have since 1977 have claimed that that photo is a complete fucking hoax, and in fact, in s- there are transcripts of Shields calling himself. A, a hoaxer. Uh, he was very into staging sort of publicity events around cryptids and wanting to attract media to this kind of stuff. Um, that being said, uh, I find that uh, this story is very fun and imaginative. So, you know, we have to factor the, his role in all of this into it. Um, but the photo... Uh, Yes, that photo of Nessie's long since been called a hoax, as has his involvement in this entire Owlman phenomenon. But be that as as it may, the creature has stood the test of time and still captures our imaginations today. So in April of 1976, a year before he took that Nessie photo, Shields had been poking around Cornwall attempting to drum up interest in another sea serpent, the Morgar. Shields wrote of the Melling Strange Easter Weekend in a letter, uh, parts of which were published in a pamphlet regarding Shields and the Morgar called Morgar, the Falmouth Monster by Anthony Monon Peller. So in July of 1976, two more girls, after this story was reported, came forward with a similar claim of an encounter with the Owlman. They told Shields that they had been camping in Monon Wood when they heard a hissing sound outside their tent. Barbara Chapman, uh, Sally Chapman and Barbara Perry came forward with similar claims of an encounter with the Owlman. They told Shields that they had been camping in Monon Wood when they heard a hissing sound outside their tent. It was like a big owl with pointed ears, as big as a man, Chapman said. The eyes were red and glowing. At first I thought that it was someone dressed up playing a joke, trying to scare us. I laughed at it. We both did. And then it went up in the air, and we both screamed. When it went up, you could see its feet were like pincers. The girls submitted drawings to Shields, both of which Beautiful. were eerily similar to the thank you to that of June Melling's drawing. For Shields, it was proof enough that some kind of monster or Birdman was haunting Mom and uh, Smith. Now let's look That's here. That's all the proof I need. Let, these are the. Uh, this is the drawings that the girls did. Very similar. Arguably all drawn by the same artist whose name might be Doc Shields. I don't know. Um, So uh, the next encounter came in 1978 when two unnamed girls this time 
Why is it mostly teenage girls? Saw that it's called a pattern. What one of them described as a monster, like a devil, flying up through the trees near Old Morning Church. That he encounter was. is, huh? I just wanted you to say, flying in the trees. He was flying up in the trees. <laughs> he was. Pincers he had, eh? Oh, on his feet, eh? I hey. bet of a fancy bird, are you? <laughs> Laughing we won at that, eh? <laughs> oh, look at him putting on his flying about the trees. Wasn't like, till he opened it in the air. Oh, what is he we think he laughing, is? Eh? Some sort of a, a British moth, man. <laughs> I'll ring the bell already. It's time for tea. That encounter is recorded in Jonathan Downs' book, The Owlman and Others. Downs also included another eyewitness story from a man who claimed to have seen the Owlman in 1989 while walking with his girlfriend. Sort in 89, I did. I was with my girlfriend, I was. The man told Downs, the eyes definitely glowed. With them eyes. Them eyes. Red as Mars, it was. Red as me, also. <laughs> Red is my bleeding asshole after I've eaten a bag of flaming chips. It was. <laughs> it was. Goodbye to all of our UK listeners. It's been swell. Then in 1995, the Owlman returned. He did. This time revealing himself to, uh, to an American tourist. Oh, too bad. She sent her experience into Simon Parker, an editor at the Western Morning News. And this was her letter. Dear Sir, I'm a student of marine biology at the Field Museum, Chicago, on the last day of a summer vacation in England. Last Sunday evening, I had a most unique and frightening experience in the wooded area around the old church at Mon in Cornwall. I experienced what I can only describe as a vision from hell. Hmm. The time was 15 minutes after nine, more or less. And I was walking along a narrow track through the trees. I was halted in my tracks when about 30 miles, 30 miles, 30 meters ahead. (laughs) 30 miles it was. (laughs) I could tell by its howling. (laughs) Uh, When about 30 meters ahead, I saw a monstrous birdman thing. It was the size of a man with a ghastly face. She really, she's an American, but she's really trying to write like a Brit. She really is. Um, She really is. A ghastly face with a wide mouth, glowing eyes, and pointed ears. It had Hmm. huge clawed wings and was covered in feathers of silver gray color. The thing had long bird legs, which terminated in large black claws. It saw me and rose floating towards me. I just screamed and then turned and ran for my life. The whole experience was totally irrational and dreamlike. Mm. Friends tell me that there is a tradition of a phantom owl man in that district. Now I know why. I have seen the phantom myself. Please don't publish my real name and address. This could adversely affect my career. Adversely, yeah. Now I have to rethink my worldview entirely. Yours very sincerely, Scared Eyewitness. Love that. My worldview entirely. The Cornish Owlman may not be a cryptid heavy hitter, but his similarities to that of his American cousin, the Mothman, are noteworthy, as is his connection to other strange phenomena 
during uh, occurring during the mid seventies in Cornwall. Also, he's a cool monster. So whether he's a hoax cooked up by Shields, a tulpa brought to life by the collective unconsciousness of Mon and Smith, or a strange interdimensional entity summoned by two freaky surrealists in 1937. For this particular armchair cryptozoologist, the Cornish Owlman has found a home in my heart. And that (laughs) is the story of the Cornish Owlman. Found a home. Love it. Your heart he has. Trippy. Pretty wild, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of weird stuff. Some people think it's this giant owl or stork that's like, you know, part of that area. Um, Get out of here. Some people. Some girl who's a marine biologist or whatever is not going to write in and change her worldview because she saw a stork. They think it's the eagle owl, which can get pretty big and and is in that area. Um, But um, this is a fun case where some people think that like Doc Shields made all this shit up. Or at least made up the first story involving the Melling girls. But then people did actually start to see this thing. So there's a theory that, like, once it's put into the collective unconsciousness, uh, it exists. Mm. And is accessible through a some type of psychic uh, interaction with that area. So uh, I don't know. I think it's a fun story. It has a lot of similarities in the Mothman Dude. down to its description, its yeah. eye color, and everything. Uh, ladies, Aaron, uh, Leah, what the hell is that? Well, I believe in the collective consciousness because I, I, I think that they discovered that fire was discovered on every continent at about the same time. Mm. And so it's something that when it's put out there, even if you don't, <clears throat> hear it or witness it directly like there's just it, once it's discovered it's discovered we're and all connected we're all connected yeah, yeah and mothman was happening in the late 60s this is 76 so it gave time for shields to kind of be like maybe we should have our own mothman here in cornwall i, I think you're giving this shields too much credit man this well, has a lot of those was he from Cornwall? He he wasn't originally. He was living in Cornwall at the time, and now he lives in Kilkearney, uh, Ireland. But he has been a proprietor of hoaxes. I read a whole transcript that uh, I didn't think was worth reading here, where he was like plotting out uh, a sea serpent hoax with a guy on, like he was like calling and talking to this guy. And this was yeah, transcripts but that of a conversation. The whole story. I mean, these girls saw it before they even involved shells. Well, you know? some people, but because Shields published the story, they think he created that. And you know what I mean? But then later other witnesses did see it. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Man. Some of my dad, like the, the thing when you're, when it's like, Oh, within there's two teenage girls that saw it. And then like two months later, two other teenage girls. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, the skept, the little bit of a skeptic in me is like, I saw Goody Jones with the devil. You know, right. you're yeah. like, I want to see it too. Goody we Jones, saw you saw, we, did me you? and Leah saw it too. Right, we saw it too. Right. You know, like that kind of thing. Mm. But and then something else, unre- like, but then it was like, oh, and, and then it was someone else, and then like ten years later, or well, and you Sally said, Chapman and Barbara Perry, they would then, have read that they could have read the pamphlet that was published in Cornwall yeah. about the sea so monster and the two, owl like, man. Like it's like, oh, maybe the first one, but then the second one, but then ten years later with some researcher and goes oh I don't know see I got a paranormal pattern out of that like that's ah. something that like you know something that made me think oh hey maybe there's something to this and then when you said the word float like a lot of people so 
Unbeknownst to a lot of people, the Mothman incident didn't just happen in Point Pleasant. People around that time were seeing it all over the area, in and around the same time. The whole Mothman uh, phenomenon is so much larger than than just what the, the 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 known story is. And just like this, but they saw the moth. A lot of people claim they just saw it sort of floating without flapping its wings. Yeah, so when like you said hovering, these, like hovering, like almost like like a picture yeah. moving across time space. Yeah, it's weird. absolutely. And the, and the red glowing eyes and the pointed owl ears, they're all describing this same sort of creature with the silver and the feathers. Like, they're obviously, they're getting a really good look at this thing. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know. Well, that it, lady's letter was just like. Yeah. And they even said the Sally and Barbara said at first they thought it was someone in a costume that was playing a trick on them. They thought it was like, oh, this guy's trying to do. Uh, the owl man that we've heard about mm. and scare us, and then they didn't believe it was real until they saw it actually take off and fly up into yeah, the tree line. So strange, and that's when they got scared. So they weren't even scared when they first. They're like, "Oh, look at this guy playing a joke on us!" Duh. And then they look, stupid. Uh, what are you, dead? <laughs> sort of. Um, really, just they unplugged the internet completely in the UK. I am so sorry. Uh, but the other synchronicity with the whole math, Mothman thing, which I thought was kind of interesting, too, is that that tourist, tourist I read it was from Chicago, wow. where the Mothman has been sighted recently. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, well, I wanted to hop on mic, give my two cents about Doc Scholl, because- Doc Shields. Doc, Dr. Scholl's is a shoe thing. Never mind. Doc Shields. I love Doc because Sh- Dr. When Scholl's. I, I've, I've noticed that a lot of the hoaxers, n- not, they believe in- a lot of their hoaxes as well and sometimes they're trying to reenact what they actually believe in so it's not that like hoaxers don't believe in it so they want to scare the public oftentimes they do believe in it and want to bring attention to it yeah which is something that i've noticed a lot in like the cryptid zoology community yeah that's a great point that's well absolutely a great and point. it seems like doc shields who was an artist magician psychic i think he was also trying to also create happenings with some of these things yeah. like let's imprint this thing around town the sea serpent story and let's get people talking about it let's start spreading rumors and then let's get publicity in and it was sort of like that was in and of itself it's sort of a performance piece very subversive well let but, me let um, us not forget the like the occult ritual of invocation and like well, summoning these beasts like alistair crowley the famed uh, a cult, the, the who, who called himself the, the, yeah, the beast uh great beast yeah he was right around loch ness performing uh you know, yeah, in Inverness. Yeah, in Inverness, right near Loch Ness, performing ritual magic, trying to... And then that's when they say this Loch Ness sort of phenomenon started taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's there's something, there's this, this strange tie to these occult invocation rituals that people summoning these entities from other dimensions that sometimes perhaps they're actually accomplishing their task. And, and you know, people are witnessing these things and they're like let in. It's like they let a door open, but they don't know how to close it, you know, and right. these things are sort of entering into our physical world. Strange. Leah, did you come across the Cornish Almond at all in any of your research? Have you heard of this guy? No, I haven't heard about him. But, I mean, I guess that's not surprising because there are thousands of yeah. cryptids. Yeah, like, so I had cool. no idea how many there were, but there are thousands all over the world. But this is this is an interesting one. I like the story. Mm. 
Me too. Yep. Uh, well, guys, it's time to wrap up another Clubhouse session. Aww. I want to thank our guests, Leah Fisher and Aaron Hayes, for totally. coming back and being here. Um, uh, Leah, please tell people where they can find your books. Uh, yes, it is The Cryptid Catcher and The Cryptid Keeper is a sequel. And you can buy it hopefully wherever books are sold yes um, and this is coming out a couple weeks before the holidays mm-hmm. so this sounds like a great gift yeah option both books for your are readers. out yep. and they are available on amazon but i also encourage people to support their local independent bookstore absolutely and they're super fun totally my kids agree. have read them my girls are 10 and 12 they love them yeah, just I read a really it to my, quick fun read i totally agree i read it to yeah. my to my son who's into this stuff and he was just like all about it so we had we had it was like a bonding experience especially for me it was like you know we had a blast reading it so thank you so much for bringing and i can't wait to bring him this one cryptid keeper so we'll be reading that too it is what it's great that's awesome (laughs) uh aaron where can people uh watch your new show when can we see bill and ted's what's up um january uh early january medical police comes out on netflix 10 half hour fun filled world globe trotting uh comedy Um, and it's you and and rob hubel yeah mostly and then a lot of the other children's hospital people pop in for a few episodes each Uh, so that's that i can't wait for everybody to see that we had a lot of fun and then August next August is Bill and Ted. Dude, <sighs> been time a long traveling. Time for that you one. Time I, usually, I usually have a problem when people bring back old movies. So this, I guess, this is a continuation. So you yeah. can't really call it a reboot. But like, if there's any movie I'm so on board with, like them doing a, a continuation, it would be Bill and Ted. I think it's really. They, I think they did a great job in that it's very much in keeping with the spirit of the other ones. Yeah. Um, and I hope people are on are in are into they it. Will you be. know, absolutely. And you got to yeah. work with Keanu Reeves. Hey, not it was bad. Very fun. Not too shabby. Yeah, not too shabby. Um, I want to thank, of course, Grace Mitchell yeah. for filling in for our super producer uh, this week. Grace, uh, if you want to steal the mic over there and tell us where people can find you. Hi, I'm Grace Mitchell, and you can find me on all social medias at Grace Mitchell. Great. Uh, you guys, find us. Uh, write to us. Send us your stories, your weird encounters at uh, to BigfootCollectorsClub at gmail.com. Uh, definitely be watching Expedition Bigfoot, Bryce's new show, which is airing now. Thanks to Always for Campfire Media for hosting this show. Uh, I'm Michael McMillan. Until next week, uh, good night. And go get repressed. The end. The end of the podcast. I was Cleopatra. I was Cleopatra. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds 
wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.